Welcome to Truly Fit. Welcome to the Truly Fit Podcast, where we interview experts in fitness and health to expand our wisdom and wealth. I am your host, Steve Washuda, co-founder of Truly Fit and author of Fitness Business 101. As a reminder, on Mondays, we interview experts in the fitness, health, and medical realm on a particular subject that they are an expert in or that they wrote a book on. On Thursdays, it is me talking solo about something I either touched on on a Monday episode and want to expand on or something that is trending in the fitness and health community that I feel that needs to be talked about or that I want to talk about a little bit more. So for today, I'm going to be talking about how to properly run a fitness boxing or fitness kickboxing class. It's a question I'm asked a lot from young personal trainers. I see it on the National Academy of Sports Medicine Facebook boards all the time. How to run a Before I go into the specifics about kickboxing and boxing, I first want to talk about small group classes, both how you run them and why they're advantageous. I'll start with the latter. As a personal trainer, your hours are tied to how much money you can make. We don't live in a vacuum. So if you're working one-on-one with clients and you only have 10 hours in the day, well, that's how much money you're going to make, whatever you charge per hour times 10. So how you make more money and how you make your day a little bit easier to work less hours is to do these small group classes. You don't need to be a group fitness instructor. You don't need to pitch them like group fitness classes that are usually cheaper. You pitch them like, hey, I'm giving you a small group class experience, a personalized experience. By the way, I have a whole podcast on this with Kerry Smith. You can look for in the archives. And you pitch this as a small group experience where It's very catered to them and what they want and their needs, and they have control over what goes on in the class and a say, as opposed to group fitness, which that usually doesn't doesn't happen. It's just you following a a group fitness instructor and whatever they're doing, but they're paying a slight upcharge. So instead of paying, let's say, $50 an hour for a group training class or $12 an hour for a group fitness class, uh, sorry, a a personal training versus group fitness, they're paying somewhere in between. So maybe they're paying $25. But if you have 10, 12 people, that's a lot of money coming to you. So personalized small group training nets you more money. It it allows you to work less hours. It's fun. It allows you to integrate different modalities. And I I will always pitch that to something as as far as what personal trainers should be doing and making sure that they can not be burned out because burnout's a problem in the industry. Now, a format for all of these classes, in my opinion, you should never count repetitions or have your clients count repetitions because then if you're looking at eight, six, eight, 10, 12 different people, you can't really critique their form and you can't make sure that the energy is good if you have to count repetitions. It's just not possible. So you do think I'm, I'm a big proponent of working for 40 seconds, resting for 20, something to that extent. If you're doing stations, you can have them move around the room, meaning in a circular fashion, they move from station to station every 40 seconds. Maybe they go through the station two or three times before they move to the next station. And I believe that also adds to the flow of the class, the camaraderie of the people as they move around and shift around from station to station. They go back to the other person and say, oh, wait, this station's really tough. You better watch out. And um, group fitness is about also that camaraderie between the people, excuse me, small group classes, I should say. Uh, whereas in group fitness is not group fitness more often than not is, you know, 20, 30, 40 people in a room. And it's all about the instructor. It's look at me, follow me. I'm on the bike. I'm doing the, uh, yoga movements in the front of the class. I'm doing the, uh, the kickboxing movements in the front of the class. Those are big group fitness classes. But when you're talking about small private group training, it's not about that. Half, half the time, you're, you're just quickly demonstrating the movements, and then you're walking around the room watching those 6 to 8 to 10 to 12 people do what it is they're doing, and you're making sure that each person is even individually corrected 
because they're paying the extra amount where they, they want those corrections. They want that individualized attention that you don't get in the large group fitness class. Now, first, let's break this down into two types. You have some large group and small group classes. In these large group classes, it's more of a Ken Post style shadow boxing, air boxing. It almost looks like a, uh, a Zumba class where you have an instructor on stage who's going through particular combinations, jab, cross, hook, uppercut, left knee. Maybe you do that in a Tabata-esque format for 40 seconds on, 20 seconds off or something. And there's very limited tools because you, again, you're in a large class. So if you have 20, 30, 40, 50 people in some of these giant uh, Kenpo, kickboxing, shadowboxing type fitness classes, you can't have all these toys and tools everywhere. Number one, you're not going to be able to afford them. And number two, there's just there's, there's not enough room on any given surface area where you're going to be running these classes. So these are what I would consider moderate cardio classes. Again, it's very similar to, uh, like I pointed out, a Zumba class where you're going through motions and you're following the instructor on stage. On stage. I'm not going to really be talking about that much today. What I'm going to be talking about is the small group fitness, kickboxing, and boxing classes. Now, I've run both of these before, but I believe that the small group, people are more confused about that. They have more questions about that. And really, they're just more intriguing. So let's go over that. So with the small group classes, ultimately, form and fun need to be married together. Those are the two concepts that we're trying to get into place here. Of course, we want to work on their form, but ultimately, this is a fitness class. So we can't just set them in front of a mirror and have them perfect their jab cross the whole time because they're not entering a ring. We're not trying to make sure that they don't get hit. Defense is secondary. All of these things that typically in, in a regular martial art you'd be concerned with, when, when it comes to the fitness side, it's more about the cardio elements and a little bit less about the form. Of course, you want to marry those two concepts together. Like I said, though, form and fun. So stations are very important when we go run these small group classes. And I'm going to explain why. I'm going to explain why. But first, let's go through the setup of how you would start a class. So typically in any group class, you need to do some sort of dynamic warm-up. And what's great with the fitness kickboxing or boxing classes is that your dynamic warm-up is just shadow boxing or shadow kickboxing. You're going through all the motions. You can have them in front of a mirror, your, your class. Let's say you have 10 people in the small group class. And they're going through the punches. And you're walking around and you're telling people, okay, make sure you bring your jab back into your chin when you throw your cross, make sure you're pivoting on that back foot, you're squashing that bug with your toes, and you're going through the form. Now, if you don't have a boxing or kickboxing background and you're interested in running one of these classes, honestly, you would need about a month only of going yourself to kickboxing and boxing classes to learn just the general basics of throwing punches and throwing kicks, and then you can bring it into fitness. Now, that doesn't mean you're an expert, but that means you know enough to bring your martial arts understanding into, again, the fitness realm where it's not about form, it's, it's about having fun and giving your clients a new modality to use. So again, you can start with some dynamic warmups, going through the motions, doing some air kicks and some air knees and some punching combinations. And then eventually you're gonna have to put the gloves on. So let's talk a little bit about safety when you're working with your clients. Number one, they need to have wraps on. The wraps are there to support your wrist if you're gonna be punching bags or punching pads, and they're also there to support your knuckles. Really, wrist first, knuckles second. Wraps are very cheap, but they're also difficult to put on. So it takes a little while to perfect using wraps properly. What I recommend is paying a little bit more money and getting slip-on wraps where you just slip your hand through what looks like a small uh, glove that has the fingers loose, 
and then it has a wrap that goes around the wrist only. So it, it protects the knuckles with that small little glove that you slide through and then it protects the wrist with that wrap that goes around the wrist. Those are a little bit easier to use and will expedite you uh, being able to, to set this class up so you don't have to sit with your clients. You don't have to sit with your clients for 10 or 15 minutes explaining how to properly put wraps on. So th then now comes the gloves. So we have the wraps on, you put the gloves on. We don't wanna be using 10 and 12 and small ounce gloves. Even if your client has small hands in, the, in these classes, you want to have more padding and more protection. You want the gloves to be a little bit heavier. Also, the goal is for cardio and to work their shoulders out. So having heavier ounce gloves is, is better. 14, 16, 18, 20, these heavier ounce fitness gloves, right? These are not boxing gloves. These are more of a fitness-based boxing glove where it's okay if your clients are slow with the gloves. It's okay if the gloves look silly and they're a little bit big. Ultimately, we need to protect the clients because they don't know how to punch yet. They're not martial artists. They're not boxers. They're not kickboxers. So we have to get the bigger ounce gloves. Then, again, sticking on this uh, safety kick that I'm going through here, we want to make sure that when we extend a punch on out, that we're not hyperextending through the elbow. And how we do that is if you're making contact with a bag, let's say, you want to make contact before your, arm is, before your arm is fully locked out so that you push through the bag, as opposed to fully locking out your arm. Over a while, even if you're shadow boxing and you're fully locking out your arms as hard as you can, you're really hyperextending that elbow and, and that's when we start to have like sort of ligament and tendon issues and you can develop tendonitis from that. Uh, one more safety uh, issue and tip here is that we don't wanna be death gripping our hands, squeezing as tight as you can. You only wanna squeeze as tight as you can, your fist, make that fist when you're making contact. Otherwise, we need to relax the hands so that we're not overworking our forearms. Now, that was all sort of simple punching base basics as far as safety is concerned. I wanna go over the kicking concerns. In a traditional bag, a heavy bag, a boxing bag, it starts a little bit above your head and comes down to maybe your knee knee length or below your knees. Now, uh, I uh, got a D in physics in high school, but I do understand a little bit of uh, physics here. The gravity takes all of the weight to the bottom of the bag. So the bottom of the bag is very heavy, really very hard because all of that, all of the sand or beads or whatever you're filling a bag with is settling at the bottom of the bag. So kicking that bag for somebody who doesn't have deadened shins and someone who doesn't know how to kick is dangerous. You do not want to kick a traditional heavy bag. So if you're just boxing, fine. The heavy bags are fine. You only need one or two of them. I'm going to go over what a class looks like in a minute. I just want to finish the safety stuff. But if you're deciding to kick, teach your clients how to kick and go through the kicking, you need to have a floor to ceiling bag, a Muay Thai bag. Again, uh, I'm, going to, I'm going to put on the physicist hat here. When you have a floor to ceiling bag, we have a bag that touches the ground. What happens is as you make contact with the middle of that bag and a kick, the energy doesn't go back into your leg. The energy goes up and down in the bag. And then you create a, essentially a, your, as you hit the middle of that bag, you are cutting that bag in half. And you'll see that that bag indents in the middle of that, in the middle of that bag, if you can picture that. So if a bag is, again, touching the ground, let's say a seven foot bag, and you're kicking the middle of it, let's say waist height, you are then making sure that that bag is being cut in the middle. And all of that energy goes to the middle, and then it goes up and down. When you're kicking a bag that is hanging, that bag is swinging, and that energy goes back into your leg, back into your hip, and it's very painful. So we don't want to kick Unless, you, unless you're an actual martial artist, you don't want to kick a swinging bag. You need that floor-to-ceiling bag that you're going to kick. They also have stand bags, which are fine to kick. 
which is at the bottom of the bag, there is a stand, usually filled with sand or water, and then the bag comes up from the bottom. Those are also fine to kick. They break easily. They're usually made of plastic, the bottom. If you know how to kick properly, you're going to break them very easily. So I, I don't recommend those. I recommend spending the, the floor-to-ceiling Muay Thai kicking bag if you're going to run a kickboxing-based small group class where you're actually having people kick. But again, safety reasons, you do not want to kick a traditional heavy bag that swings with people who don't know how to kick, that energy goes back into their leg because that bag's not grounded and they're going to be most likely kicking the hardest, densest part of that bag, the bottom of the bag, which is not good for them if they don't have deadened shins like martial artists like myself do. So again, let's move on to the actual class structure now. I talked a little bit about safety. We talked about warming up, this sort of dynamic warm-ups. You just do shadow boxing in the mirror. Now to set up a class. The first thing you have to keep in mind is that you're going to have gloves on and you don't want people to be taking their gloves on and off all class. That is a pain. So you have to set up stations in which they can leave the gloves on the whole time. Now, again, remember form and fun. We are marrying those two concepts, so it can't be all about boxing. So let's go through some stations. I'll, I'll list six stations out. Number one would be an ab station. Boxers and kick artists and all of us need to work on our core, right? So you set up some sort of ab station. Maybe they're doing planks. Maybe they're doing roll-ups. Something you don't really have to oversee and spot. You can just let the clients do that. Then the next two stations are both bags, station two and station three. On station two, somebody's doing, two people are on each, one on each side of the bag are doing jab cross. They're just practicing their jab cross, bringing one hand back to their chin each time as they throw the other punch out. Um, the second bag, they are practicing... Um, cross hook. They're throwing their cross and then they're throwing their hook into the bag. Uh, the two people on that bag. So again, there's two people in each station in this example. Then somebody's working on the pads with you. So you're holding pads in your arms and somebody's working on jab, cross, hook, uppercut. And then there's two people there. One person gets a break. You go to the other person, jab, cross, hook, uppercut, and you keep walking back and forth and, and letting them practice on their, their combos on the pads. That is station four. Station five could be an agility ladder. We need to work on our footwork in boxing. We need to work on our footwork in boxing and kickboxing. So you set up some sort of agility ladder where people are running through. And obviously there's a million different things you can do in agility ladder to help with footwork and speed. And then the last station would be a body weight leg station, lunges, squats, something that they don't have to hold on to weights because obviously they're going to have those gloves on like I spoke about. So that's six stations I just named. An ab station, two different bags. So that's all you'll need is two bags. A pad station, you're going to be holding pads for people. An agility ladder and a body weight leg station. So you could have two, three, four, maybe even up into these stations. I think that would be a large group class at that point if you had you know, 24 people. But if you have two people in each of those six stations, that's 12 people. That's a really good size small group class. And if you're charging, I don't know, $20 a, a person, that's really good money for that hour. So to me, these boxing and kickboxing classes are so fun because you never know who's going to fall for this exercise medium. It's in martial arts. And I also ran a kickboxing class, excuse me, a boxing class for people with movement disorders who had uh, Parkinson's and, and other movement disorders. So, you know, when you think boxing, you're thinking of this like tall, svelte guy who is, uh, you know, throwing bombs. No, it's the opposite. The people who really tend to like it were my older population clientele, the movement disorders, which they've done a lot of studies on why it helps both from a physiological standpoint, but also from a psychological and mental standpoint, people with movement disorders like Parkinson's. And then the moms, the young moms really loved boxing as well. So I think it's great for all populations, whether you're 14 and want to learn how to kickbox or whether you're 83 and have a movement disorder and want to help 
sort of slow that progression down. It's really good to work on that hand-eye coordination. And then from, again, from a mental standpoint, for, for those who don't understand why it's difficult, when you start to re try to uh, recreate these combos, when I tell you, hey, throw jab, cross, hook, uppercut, slip, uppercut, hook, cross, you have to remember those punches. So as you're throwing them and you're tired and the oxygen is not going to your brain the same way, you're trying to remember these punches. So there's a there's a psychological and a mental component to this as well. It's not just the, the physical. But again, I'm going to keep reiterating form and fun. People are not coming to you as a martial arts coach if you were a personal trainer in it. You have a fitness background. They just want to have a little bit of technique and form. So you don't need to be an expert. You can take a month or so, go to these classes, learn the basics of throwing the basic punches or the basic kicks, and then come back and use it with your clients. Ultimately, that's what we need to do in the fitness and health industry is learn new modalities, learn new things, and then bring them back to our clients. We're continuing to learn. And all of these things are the same, meaning... You know, I'm ultimately my goal is to push, pull, hinge, lunge, plank, squat, rotate. Right? These are the these are the seven central movements I'm doing. But whether I'm holding a TRX rip trainer and doing this, or a ball and doing this, or a boxing glove and rotating and pushing and pulling and pushing and pulling, it's it's all ba the basic same movements of the body. We're just using a new toy to do it, which excites our clients and makes it seem like something different. And again, it it is a little bit different, right? Because we're challenging our proprioception differently by giving ourselves different ranges of motion and weights and ways in which we're going about moving through these patterns and these planes of motion. So again, small group training for kickboxing and boxing is super fun. I really recommend it to everybody. I have a whole podcast on how you charge for small group training and why it's important as personal trainers that we're not just working 12 hours a day, charging 40 to $60 an hour and being overrun that you need to run these small group classes during your week so that you're taking in a bunch of money at once. And I think it's imperative that all trainers have that skill set to be able to control a small group also. You don't need to be a group class instructor. You can be a personal trainer and run small group classes. So safety, I want to go over one last time. As far as the hands are concerned, you need wraps. You need to make sure that the clients have gloves that are a little bit heavier than what normally they would use. So if you have a 110 pound, 33 year old female, she would probably use a 10 or 12 ounce glove, typically probably a 10, but you're going to want to use a 16, 18, 20 ounce glove because this is fitness. They don't know how to fitness. They don't know how to punch. You want to protect their hands more. You need the extra padding. Make sure they're using the proper wraps. Make sure they're not fully locking out their hands over hyperextending their elbow over and over and over when they're doing shadow boxing and things of that nature. Make sure people aren't death gripping their hand and squeezing too tight the entire time. They're going to wear their forearms out. They want to keep loose until they're making contact with that bag. As far as the kicks are concerned, my, my first recommendation would be don't do it. If you don't have a background in kicking, don't try to teach it. It's going to take you a longer time to learn kicking than it is punching. But if you do decide to do it, if you do have a little background in doing it, make sure you do not kick the heavy bag with your clients. Kick a floor-to-ceiling bag or a floor bag, a bag that starts from the floor and goes up that has a bottom to it, that's going to be a little bit easier for you. Hope that helps with your ventures into running a boxing or kickboxing class. You are always more than welcome to reach out to me if you have specific ideas or you want to run something by me concerning anything really that I've talked about in these podcasts, but really uh, where I want to respond and where I look to respond is individual personal trainers reaching out, saying something to the extent of, hey, Steve, I'm thinking about running this sort of kickboxing class. This is the equipment I have. 
This is my clientele. What do you think about this format? I'm always here to critique and add any of my insights from doing. Thanks for joining us on the Truly Fit Podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review on your listening platform, and feel free to email us. We'd love to hear from you. Social at trulyfit.app. Thanks again.